But I just, I, I want to just speak today, and this is again, if you're visiting, I'm really sorry, because this is more of an in-house conversation, so feel free to just check Facebook or smash Candy Crush or whatever you want to do um, for the next little while. But I just want to um, pack some stuff, so if we can bring up the first scripture, um, Steve. So let me just, we're going to go through a bunch of scriptures today, but this is um, where we're going to start. 1 Colossians, 1 Colossians 1 verse 24 to 29. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up my flesh, what uh, fill up in my flesh what is lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of His body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the Word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. What is this great mystery? Well, Paul says, To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles, this is big news in the early church, the hope of glory, uh, the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. There's a bunch of things happening in this passage that I just absolutely love. Firstly, I love that Paul is like, he's Jesus-centric in his life and teaching. He, Jesus, is the one that he proclaims. We're interested in Jesus. As followers of Jesus in the room today, that's why we're here, right? You haven't come to hear me, you've come to meet with Jesus. And hopefully by his grace, hear his voice as we open his word and as I share some thoughts. We love Jesus. He's the one that we follow because when we follow Jesus, he brings us to life. And I'm so, I have this renewed conviction after my retreat that life is only found in Jesus. And that we have yet, as a Western church, yet to discover how rich it can be in Jesus. That when we truly abide in him, that we can bear much fruit. And the fruit that John in particular talks about, that uh, to bear much fruit from John 15, where Jesus says, abide in me, live in me, remain in me, stay close to me. Then you will bear much fruit. John always talked about three fruits, love, joy, and peace. And in Galatians 5, the list continues, but those three are actually our core values. We disguise love because it's a jaded word with this word depth. We want to be deep in our relationships in terms of our communion with one another and have a depth in our love and relationship with God. And we want to be a community filled with joy and peace. But how does that happen? It happens by abiding, by remaining, by staying close to Jesus. We live in a very joy-deficient world. We live in a world that does not carry peace. It's stressed, it's exhausted, it's anxious. And again, I have this deep, deep conviction that if we follow the way of Jesus, we discover love, joy and peace in, in, in realms and ways and in depths we could never imagine. A huge part of that is slowing down. You cannot have the life of Jesus unless you have the pace of Jesus. And so this it goes quiet when you start going here. Um, and that's cool because I feel like I should go a bit quiet as well. But I'm determined and I'm going to preach on this at length about learning how to rest. Learning how to Sabbath. Learning how to have the rhythms of grace that Jesus, and so many of us think that's an impossible dream, but in Jesus it's possible. So Jesus, you can find life that we all crave, 
that we long for. You know, every, almost every single bit of advertisement that you'll see today, and there'll be about 4,000 different adverts, and all of the Instagram influences that you will see today if you're on Instagram, point you to a life that Jesus wants you to have. They just want to sell it to you. Everyone wants to wake up and feel relaxed and refreshed. Everyone wants to live in such a way that it looks like an Instagram life. But that's all a hoax. The only way to live that's found in Jesus when we start living out his rhythms and his way. And it's possible. And the more that I've tasted and experienced it, the more I'm like just determined to go there. I'm like, I'm just going to preach my heart out and do everything I can within our church architecture and structure to help people get disciples so they can slow down, so they can Sabbath, and so that we can enjoy the life of God today in this Western world. Swim against that tide of stress. Swim against that tide of over-functioning and doing too much. Swim against the expectations of our parents, maybe, that we're still living with, or of our boss or whatever, and disappoint people so that we please God and find life in all of its fullness. So Paul's saying, this is what, this, he's captured this vision. He's talking not just about uh, a little bit of the Bible. He's saying, I want to present the word of God in its fullness. In all of the great narrative of scripture, we find such a life, it's just extraordinary. But he wants to present this. Jesus uh, is at the center of what we're all about. And that's his dream. Paul's got the same I can understand, I empathise with what Paul's got here because he longs to present everyone mature. So here's the thing, guys. You can be saved and believed but not have the life of Jesus. And, you know, uh, and I'm not, like, I'm not talking about afterlife. You'll go to heaven. He's good like that. But Jesus' big passion was heaven on earth. Not a disembodied soul heaven thing that the Western church seems to have got very hung up on. It has always about the kingdom of heaven breaking into earth. And so that's where uh, this. Oh, sorry, I've got to be careful. I've got other sermons that are trying to get in. <laughs> but my longing is that we would know that life. And that people would see our good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. That people would see the gospel of our lives and just say that looks like good news how do you how do you live with that sort of peace with that sort of joy even through real pain and suffering and difficulty we can know that and so that's Paul's great desire but then there's this little thing here that I want to point to because then in this passage he says that he has given himself for the sake of his body which is the church he has become its servant Everyone's like, oh, here we go. Here we go. Old pastor wanted to trot out the old... It was all going pretty well, and then he has to mention church, you know. Because we have this big hang-up about church because we're like, we're pretty tired and stressed anyway, and what we don't want to hear from the front is, is someone saying you need to do a bit more. Because we're tired anyway. And, and the subtext to a lot of sermons, and I really try and filter this myself, but you just watch, the subtext to a lot of sermons is that you're not a very good Christian. So just do a little more and try a little harder. And it can be very wearying. It's religion. But in the same breath, Paul is saying, I've made myself a servant to the church. And he says in verse 29, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. So here's the thing. There's an invitation here that God wants to give every one of us to see church thrive. Yeah. 
and be healthy and be life-giving for everyone. And there's all sorts of brokenness that gets in the way there. And there's ditches that we can fall in, two ditches. One is we just go bananas serving church thinking that makes God happy and we kill ourselves and then we get resentful and then we normally tap out for a long time. Or we actually go, I don't want to get caught up in all of that work stuff. And actually it's a subtle form of consumerism, veneered in spirituality, that says, I just want to be part of it, but I don't want to contribute. And so you've got two ditches. So I'm like, writing this talk's been like a, a minefield. It's a tightrope wearing a moon boot, where it's like, how can I somehow communicate without condemning or manipulating anyone? But my... my plea today is that we would become like Christ and part of that is to choose the servant-hearted way. Part of that is to choose the servant-hearted way. A number of times Paul talks about how we function as a church. Uh, in 1 Corinthians, there's a couple that are very similar. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 12 he says this, Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptised by one Spirit as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is made up, uh, not of, uh, made up of one part, is not made up of one part, but of many. What Paul again is saying here is that there is a unity and a diversity within the body of Christ. And uh, like what Keith was saying yesterday, uh, last felt like yesterday, last Sunday, um, and we're very passionate about this here at Bay Vineyard, that this country is a bicultural country. Uh, we honour our Tangata Whenua, uh, who have a rich history here, and there's a treaty that is like a covenant from a Christian worldview. Um, and then there's um, Tawiwi or Pākehā, which is everyone else. So, so it's not like, but we're one, but we're also, we've got diversity within that. But also, the beautiful thing about the church is we need you. Because we're not just one... Like, if it was up to me, we'd just be a mouth. Right? And we wouldn't be going anywhere or helping anyone. It would just be a lot of jibber-jabber. Because my role principally here is to be the mouthpiece of where I think God wants to take us and what he's doing in us and all the rest of it. Right? But the thing is, we need you for the body to be healthy and functioning. I'm aware of that. We're in my moon boot today. And this, honestly, to be really honest, I feel like I'm a little bit of a prophetic picture of what Bay Vineyard's like right now, where there's some bits that aren't functioning the way they should. Part of, and a lot of, 99% of that's my fault because a leader has either permitted it or created it. But it ultimately, my, I'm getting my pom-poms out today and having a bit of an in-house chat saying we need some things to shift here so that we start carrying the load a lot more together and so that all the different parts of the body start functioning together. And the beautiful thing about the Bible is it gives glory to those parts that aren't normally honoured. Paul says this. He's like, in our uh, churches in the West, we glorify the stage. And we say the super Christians are on stage either speaking or leading worship. And so you're a really super Christian if you're up the front. Paul slams that heart and says, no, it's an upside down kingdom, which is what Jesus always spoke about. 
Now, the Bible's got lots of things to say about looking after your leaders or not making their life difficult. So I'm not trying to minimise my role here. It's very important. But in terms of what God sees, I'm acutely aware that it's, the, it's what's not seen by everyone that he sees and he rewards. It's the jobs that are just servant-hearted that are most close to the heart of Jesus. That's what he looks at. That's what he applauds. And again, not in notes. But, he, <laughs> but here's the thing, friends. We haven't preached about this much. But the Bible's very, very clear. If you read all the way through the New Testament, that there is a reward. There is a reward. For some people, it's like we get to heaven and it's like by fire. We just get in there. And that's me. I'm going to be closing that pearly gate behind me and it'll be warm on my tush probably because I'm like, oh, yeah, just get across the line, right? You know, it's like that's the big thing. But it's like many of you guys are servant-hearted and have poured your lives out and no one's applauded and no one's cheered and you haven't written books and everyone, you don't, you're not a minor Christian celebrity, but the Lord has seen and he will give you crowns and he will place you in positions close to him. There is a reward. And so... Again, just even let's tap into our consumerism for a second. <laughs> I don't want to live for the rewards of this age. I want to live for the rewards of the age to come. But I tell you what, the more I give myself to live like that, the more I live a richer life in this age. It's just this paradox. The more that I die to myself, the more I discover resurrection life. And so I want to encourage you. Romans 12, verse 3 to 8, very similar passage. For by the grace given me, I say to everyone, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. But rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us have one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we through, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts, according to the grace that is given to us. And so if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy according to your faith. If it's to serve, then serve. If it's to teach, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's to give, hallelujah, more Lord, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. There is a grace on your life. There's certain things you're just really good at doing. There's like, so, this is just one short list and there's many in the New Testament that talk about the gifts that have been given to you. And your role is to use those gifts to see the church flourish and the kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven into this region. And the principal way that God builds his kingdom is through his church. It's not through lone rangers. It's through his church. And so I want to, like the dream is that we would all be using our God-given gifts to see this body mature so that everyone is involved and so that we see God's kingdom come. Ultimately, it's because we want to follow the way of Jesus. In Philippians 2, 3 to 4, he says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. He's, Paul's, this is, I mean, Philippians 2 is so extraordinary in terms of the incarnation and the nature of Jesus. But Paul is saying, in this, have the same mindset of, as Christ. Be like Jesus. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. So many of us think that if we finally get that promotion, finally get that house, finally get that income, finally get that girlfriend, finally get uh, that, that book released, finally get on the map in some way, we will feel satisfied. And Ecclesiastes and Jesus would say, no, it's not true. 
There's nothing wrong with those things, but put them in their right place. The number one ambition the follower of Jesus should have is a healthy and thriving soul. Imagine that, if that your number one ambition for the rest of your life, the number one ambition is that your soul would flourish and be filled with love, joy and peace. Like that's what consumed you. That was your focus. And then everything else gets put in its right place. So God wants to see you thrive in your workplace, be influential in your workplace. But he doesn't want it be an, to be an idol where that's your source of identity. And so Jesus like, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vacancy. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Again, it's like, how can I see others lifted up? How can I see others glorified? The best way that we can outwork this is how we treat that young woman or young man that serves us in the cafe that we're about to have lunch at. I have been so disgusted, if I'm honest, from time to time, at how some Christians talk to waiters and waitresses. It's like, it is not acceptable. It's, this is the most practical way that you can value someone above yourself who's there to serve you. And you can look them in the eye and you can thank them and you can ask them about themselves and we can just train our eyes to see people the way that Jesus does, to see people get raised up. But ultimately, it's about capturing something of Jesus' heart that says, I'm here to serve and to bless. I'm here to serve and to bless. One of the things that I do not want in this church is for us to be focused just on Sundays. Like, it is just the dumbest goal to have that we have a kick-butt Sunday. Like, it's, I, it's so important. Again, my friends that are pastors, we've all taken these journeys together. Sometimes we're throwing the baby out with the bathwater and just gone, who cares about this? We just want to live missionally and live incarnationally. And that normally hasn't ended well. I'm, I love these gatherings. Like every time we worship together, I'm like, wow, look what God's doing. But I don't want it to be about like we just work our tail off for a great Sunday. I want us to work our tail off to be a huge blessing to this region. But I say this, if we can't make Sunday happen, we're going to struggle to be a blessing to this region. If we can't work together as a family to make our family gathering work, we're going to really struggle to roll up our sleeves and be a blessing to this region. And so one of the things that I'm saying this morning really, really practically is that we need more help today. We need a lot more help today. Like, I'm tired. I get here at 7.30. I work physically hard. I work mentally hard because I've got a lot of detail to work on. I help with the worship. I preach a sermon. I am an introvert, so relationally I get pretty weary. And then there's a lot of physical work, particularly at St. Patrick's, to return the hall. And then me and Luke are home about one o'clock, if we're lucky. It, like, I'm tired. Um, but at the same time, I don't want to manipulate you. And we've got, I think there's a bunch of people in our church that are tired. Um, one of the things that I'd love to just say is that I'd love that if you call this place home, that one in four Sundays you help out in some way on a Sunday. This is not a big ask. And if, if everyone did that, in some way, shape or form, we would be carrying the load in such a way that our core people wouldn't be getting tired. Now, a lot of, that's on me as well. Like if I've learned anything in the last year about where my weaknesses lie as a leader, it's that I'm not very good at structuring volunteers because I'm used to staff. I'm used to administrators, I'm used to managers. I moved from a mega church to this. So I'm used to having PA and volunteer leaders that are paid and all that stuff. 
and I'd just be there to cast vision and to, it was, you know, <laughs> it was, I wouldn't swap this for all the tea in China because this is where God's called me and graced me. Like, I love what's happening here. But it, I say that because it's my weakness as well. So again, I'm not trying to beat anyone up, but we're trying to make it really easy for on-ramp so that you can help on a Sunday. But here's some of the things that people, um, people reasons I think people can struggle to commit to this stuff. Firstly, some of you guys have just done way too much historically and you're burnt and tired. And um, there's a very interesting podcast that I will link to on our community page by a guy called Peter Scazzero, who's just, again, um, he's the cardinal to the Pope to me. He's just so brilliant. And he's, we're going to do one of his courses in Term 3 as a whole church called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. But he did a podcast called about overfunctioning. And so what happens is some of us see a void or see lack and we always step in and we always carry and we overfunction. And when we overfunction, uh, we, we've um, dressed that up spiritually um, and, and it disguises itself as caring. Overfunctioning disguises itself as caring. Martha disguised her overfunctioning as caring for the needs of others, um, even Jesus. But she offered hospitality at the expense of herself and she confused caring about someone with having to take care of them. It confused caring about somebody to, to having to take care of them. And it can perpetuate, overfunctioning can perpetuate immaturity. This is what I've realised. I've been carrying too much on a Sunday. And then what happens is that people don't see the void because I'm just there stepping in all the time. And so it can um, erode my spiritual life. It can destroy community. So over-functioning doesn't help us. Some of you guys, because you will burn out if you haven't already in the past because you've done too much. And this is where Paul's saying, there's a grace on your life for certain things. And that's where I want us operating in our sweet spot. But still, we're called to pick up a cross and pick up a towel. We're called to die to ourselves and still serve and bless others. So there's lots in my week that isn't in my sweet spot, but I'm going to choose to do it because I love this community. But the more that we work together, the more all of us start slotting into places where it's our sweet spot. And so some of us are really, really weary. And can I say, and we've done this before and we'll continue to do this, when people come off our rosters, we will pat you on the back and say, good, you're doing too much. You're right, you need a break. I'm never, I never want people to have an experience in this church where it's robbing them of life. Uh, really, but we need to work together on that. And so if you're really weary and you've done too much and this sermon has given you anxiety, <laughs> can I tell you, you can heal and sit and stop and don't jump on a roster at the end of the sermon, but stay obedient to Jesus now, in a year's time, if you're still sitting there, either you haven't done the healing process properly or you've slipped back into consumerism and we need to have a chat. But can I just say, until that point, sit, heal, be restored, allow us to pray for you. It's our joy to serve you. And there is a percentage of us in this room that are like that. The second reason is that, uh, that we don't want to serve is because we're, we're just tired from life. And the thought of coming to church is like a refuge for, for, for us, and it should be. And we like turning up and seeing just things ready. And we're tired. And it's like, again, this sermon has given us anxiety because I don't want more stuff to do. And I, can I just say the issue then isn't church, it's your lifestyle. 
And the thing that saddens me as a pastor is that when it comes to saying no to things about, say, for example, where our money goes or where our time goes, I'm always a bit sad that church is the first thing to get the chop. Right? I mean, we're doing all these other things throughout the week that are, that are just too much. And we've got too many expenses and we've got all this stuff. And so the first thing that goes normally is church. Like, can we change that? Can we have a passion like Paul has that says, I'm committed to this and I love this and I want to see this thing thrive. So I'm going to give my time and give my money and I'm going to say no to Rupert Murdoch, who's had a priority in my life for Sky TV or whatever their extra expense may be. And I'm going to just, I'm going to prioritise the things that matter for eternity. The third thing is that some of us really struggle with commitment because we're hippies. Because we're like, we're organic and we just want to flow with the Holy Spirit and we don't want to commit to a roster because that's anti the vibe we're trying to live with. And, I, and I, I can understand that because I love the Holy Spirit, but it's a very, very poor understanding of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in Genesis 1 is hovering over what is chaos. And the Holy Spirit begins through the power of God to bring order to that chaos. This is what the Holy Spirit will lead you to a right commitment. He will lead you to a commitment in Jesus. By his spirit, he will, the Holy now again, I love the story in um, in 2 Chronicles where the glory of God fills the temple. That's why we're here. I want the glory of God to come. And no longer is it a temple of, of like this. It's a temple of living stones. So I want the glory of God to fill us, the living temple now. But I tell you what, we all love what, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. In fact, let's bring it up. Where's 2 Corinthians chapter 5? Look at this. I mean, the trumpeters and the musicians join together and they thank to God and they sing, He is good and His love and Jewish forever. And the temple of God was filled with the cloud and the priests came up upon their service because of the cloud. The glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. That's what we long for, that we would be living temple today. We love it. I tell you what we don't like is 1 Chronicles chapter 24 onwards. You know what 1 Chronicles 24 onwards is? It's this. Back the other way, I think. Previous slide. These divisions for the gatekeepers, which is the welcome team through their leaders, and the duties of ministry in the temple of God, just as they had, the lots were cast for each gate, according to their families and all the like, and the lots for the east gate fell upon the Shalom line, and the son of Rahab was blabbered. If you go through, I mean, one Chronicles, it's so, it's so sexy. I mean, it's all, oh, no, I want to read one Chronicles as I go to sleep tonight. It's really interesting because it's all rosters. It's all rosters. It's like rosters for the worship team, rosters for the welcome team, rosters for the priests. And you're on one month and then you're off for the rest of the year and another family has to do the next month. Open your Bibles to 1 Chronicles 24 and work your way from there and you will see that it's just rosters. And to think that's... Now here's my point. The glory of God comes in 2 Chronicles 5, but the kitty in which it is held is the commitment of the Israelite people to have a healthy, functioning temple, and that's where the glory of God comes. That's where the glory of God comes. And so if you think that being organic and Holy Spirit-led means you don't commit to a roster, I'm sorry. That is spiritual mumbo-jumbo that is just, just veneered consumerism. 
I, I know that's a big call, but it's the truth, right? Okay. It's the glory is held within this commitment of people to commit to the ongoing thriving and life of the family. Now, most of us have lived in flats, and uh, I've lived in some horror flats. Like, uh, I was once flatting with Gemma Woodsworth, who's Andy Woodsworth's wife. And um, is Gemma here? No, she's out with the kids. Uh, yeah, good. <laughs> no, she's a clean freak, but we lived in a flat that was so mangy by its nature, her dad refused to enter it and said, I wouldn't let my dog live there, okay? <laughs> now, I've lived in gross flats and good flats. The, that was a physically gross flat, but we had great flatmates and it worked well. I lived in a nice flat in Auckland where the structure of our flat was abysmal and it's just, it was dishes everywhere and it was just horrific. I had an alcoholic accountant that was part of our flat. I liked him because he was generous but, uh, and meant I could eat as a Bible college student. He was very kind on that front. But he raged against any roster to keep our flat working well. And so when it came to his turn for dishes, he just refused. And if anyone asked him, it was another day he wouldn't do the dishes. So you can imagine how gross things got. It was just horrific. We were scraping off that baked, flipping baked beans to try and get some sort of plate. I mean, just, guys, here's my thing. Don't be that flatmate in this church. Please don't be that flatmate in that church where everyone's trying to keep things going. And it's like, come on. You can actually help out one in four. You can help out surely. Ultimately, um, I, I really want us to rage against consumerism. We have got to free ourselves from consumerism. This is not a corporation that provides you a service. This is a family where we see each other thrive to be, and so that we can be a huge blessing to this region. That's who we are. We're a family, and we all chip in, and we all make the family rock. Okay? Last scripture, and then we're going to just talk practical. Oh, no, we're going to skip that. Okay, one no, just very quickly. I'm just going to say this. One, one Philippians. Verse 14. This is all I'm going to say on this one. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. Okay, next <laughs> next, next, one. So, next, next slide. Next slide. This is, I love this slide because I love our catch line. Servant-hearted leaders unite. Legends. Servant-hearted legends unite. Join the team. Join the family. I... Heaps of you guys are already helping out, and I don't want people to do more. But this is, and can I just say thank you from the bottom of my heart for some of you guys who just have worked really hard. We don't have our own building, so we have to work hard to just get the basics set up so that we could welcome people and all the rest of it. But do you know why we do it? It isn't actually mainly for us. It's for that visitor that walks in the door for the very first time to church. Do you know how much courage it takes to walk into church? Even if you're a Christian, do you know how much courage it takes? We do all of this to bless the visitor, whether they're Christian or not. A lot of them aren't. The music and the the atmosphere that's relaxed and everything we are trying to do says we're ready for you. Welcome. Hi, am I. You're so welcome here. Have a cup of tea. We we want you to feel at peace. You You belong here. You can be here. So, there's a bunch of different teams, next slide, where if you click on that on our website, we've got different teams that you can be a part of if you're not on a team already. And I would really love you to think about this. Um, you can join the other team. <laughs> now, I don't know what that team is, but um, we'll, we'll find a job for you, okay? Um, you could join our worship teams. 
we don't have stacks of musicians. Today we had two. Um, we've preached about worship. I was very proud of you this morning that we don't need a big band because it's about our hearts. But, you know, if you've got musical school that's sitting there untapped, can I just say we'd love your help. Um, welcoming team. This is the team that Jen leads. When Jesus saw the prodigal son, uh, when God saw the prodigal son and, and as the father, he ran towards him and welcomed him. That's the heart behind every single person that's on our welcome team. That they'll be there, and from the minute you start seeing us, you feel welcome and loved. The prayer team, Heather Keeley leads this. All of these guys are going to be at the back of the building that you, so you can have a chat to them after the service. Heather Keeley leads our prayer ministry team. We're going to be dialing up the ministry this year. We're going to be dialing up praying for one another. We're going to create a bit more space to, to normalise that, because if we can't pray for each other here, how the heck are we going to pray for people out there? So we're going to normalise praying for one another, but we've got a specialist team that just help that stay safe. And so they have some training, and they're there just to minister to people. We'd love you on that. Um, the packing team. There's two priorities in terms of where we desperately need help, and one of them is the packing team. If you can um, lift a chair, congratulations, you're qualified. Uh, you would love your help. And you know what? We'd actually, we need um, team lead. We need more team leaders. We need more help here because it's physical work. But also, we need some people that are prepared to join that team that have a good strategic head on them that can help us streamline how we do it. We just aren't doing it as efficiently as we could. And there's some of you guys have wired in the right way to help us. But there's no way I want you coming up. Just give me lots, or Luke, lots of advice. I want you doing it for a month before you come with all your ideas, okay? Because it's it's. Okay. Um, so we really need help there, guys. It's not easy to do that. Hospitality, again, we've got an amazing team there. Um, data and sound, I really need your help there. That's my team. <laughs> Currently, there's me, Steve, and Cass. Uh, and uh, it's not enough people. It, to be honest, if I wasn't here, or Kieran McKinley, who isn't here today, if he wasn't here, we probably couldn't... He is here? Oh, Kieran is here. We probably couldn't set up our sound gear and get it working without major stress. I need some more tech-minded guys that can get their heads around how everything talks to each other so that we can do that. I'm drowning in that job every Sunday and I need a lot of help there. The number one priority is Bay Kids. We need help in Bay Kids. We have over 50, last Sunday, I don't know what it is today, last Sunday over 50 children were in our Bay Kids. It is the number one ministry of our church. It is crucially important. And can I just say, if you've got a child in Bay Kids, we would just love your help one in four or one in three or something. You know, just to help out because we aren't, we aren't preschool. We aren't a daycare. We're a church family. And so, I re and you know, the reason I'm super passionate about this recently, got very fired up about it, because I spent so much time with Andre when we were chasing after our gear. Lots of hours in the car yarning together, and I got to know Andre's story a whole lot more. The reason Andre is in church today is because of the seeds that were sown into his life at Sunday school. He, he kept saying that to me. That was, you ask him after Sunday, whether I'm exaggerating, after the sermon, whether I'm exaggerating or not. The reason he's in church today is because seeds were sown that never left him in, that, uh, in, in, bake, in the equivalent to Bay Kids back in the day. Now, there were a few twists and turns and little detours along the way between now and then. 
But the reason the Lord pursued him with his love is because he planted seeds in his heart. And I want our children, I want my children growing up knowing how to pray for one another, knowing that the presence of God is real. The number one focus we're going to have in this church is this formation of our souls, and it's going to be exactly the same for our kids. We aren't just going to teach them Bible stories, we're going to teach them how to pray. We're going to teach them that God is real. We're going to teach them how to prophesy. We're going to teach them all those things, and so that as they grow older, they will not depart from the way of Jesus. And so it is such an important ministry. Is it is it a costly one? Yes, because you don't, you're not in this environment every now and then. But I tell you what, we, the reason I'm recording today is so that you can listen to the podcast and stay in check with the journey that we're taking as a church. You don't have to miss out. You can turn on Hillsong, have better worship than Chris is ever going to give you, and then you can listen to the podcast. <laughs> say for the record, mocking people is my love language. And I love Chris a lot. Um, but you can spiritually feed yourself and stay engaged with the life of our church, even if you're not present in this room, because you're choosing to serve the needs of our kids. And guys, um, this is a plea that you would help out with Bay Kids. This is a plea that you would help out with Charlotte. And if we don't see an increase in leaders and volunteers, we'll have to go to the next level. I don't know what that is yet, but I'm threatening you. Uh, <laughs> I will, I will have to escalate things. And I will, because it's a priority. If it means that this gathering goes, has less of a focus for me personally, so be it. Because that is our priority. We want to see our kids thrive. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. that is us today. Um, so there's two ways. This, we're going to come into land now. There's two ways that you can uh, respond this morning. Um, can I have all of the leaders for the different ministries but Charlotte, who will be here shortly, Stand at the back of the hall, and they will be immediately ready to talk to you. The other thing you could do is if you go back a slide, yep, now. Um, the other thing you could do if you go back to that join the team, oh, that, no, on Bacon, if you could go to our website right now and jump on the, all we're going to do today is get your details. If you need to pray about it, that's sweet. But make sure you're not praying, should I do this or not? It's more like, Lord, where do you want to put me in this family that I can serve? It's not where. Again, some of you guys, you need to heal. Disclose your asterisks, blah, blah, blah. But can I just ask that you would either jump on our website, because all we want is your name and number and email, I think. And that's all we're going to get today. We're not going to give you job deeds. Then we will follow up and talk about what it means. But can I just say, this is a break from our normal programming, in terms of this, but it's an in-house chat to say, let's get a, little, a click or two more healthy, so that we can thrive as a community. If you're not sure whether this is your church yet, it's fine. If you call this place home, the sermon's for you, and you're not on a team. I'd love you to consider uh, just getting on one. Let me close in prayer, and, um, and we'll hopefully see a massive move of God. <laughs> but Lord, that's our heart. We want to see you move. We want to see your glory come. And Lord, forgive us for the way that um, the consumerism of our world and society so often creeps into our spirituality. So we look to you, Lord. Um, both as the one who is the servant and as the one who brings life. As the one who is the servant, Lord, we want to serve, we want to pick up a towel and bless, and uh, we want this community to flourish. But also as the one who brings life. Lord, slow us down, help us to Sabbath well, help us to rest well, help us to know the pace and the rhythm of Jesus. Help us to match the pace of our life to the pace of yours. 
Help us to be a non-anxious presence in a very busy and stressed out world. Help us to carry your love and your joy and your peace. Lord, heal us from the brokenness that thinks we're the exception to that. Lord, just lead us into life everlasting. And so we look to you, Lord, the one that is the life and the one that is the servant. Make us more like you, Father. And I just pray a blessing over these guys. I pray, Lord, I'm passionate about this. So I've said anything, Lord, that's condemning. I pray that you would just, that wouldn't penetrate hearts. I, I lift off any guilt and shame. Just pray that you would just, by your spirit, in the same way you gave it to Paul, this passion for the church, because it's the body of Christ. I pray that be a passion for this community, that would see it flourish and that would find joy every step of the way in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.